We cut off the responses at number 11, so that cutoff story this week, headline is, Microsoft Teams is down this morning. The company is investigating. That happened on Monday, the 3rd of February, and that was a very big deal for people who are all in the brand new thing. It is Microsoft Teams, the newest way to chat with your teammates across the internets. But for more information on that, check out our website, This. Conversation.com and click on the link for this week's podcast and you can read that full story. Otherwise, wait just a mere moment and you'll find out what were the top 10 stories that you chose were the most important, most conversational, the ones that really needed to be told on the weekly wrap-up with Jacob and Payne. This is the show for the week ending February the 8th, 2020. And welcome to the show. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne, your host for This is the Conversation's Weekly Wrap-Up, brought to you by The Conversation Project. Thank you so much for joining us for this weekly, about an hour-long-ish cut-down of what happened in the week as you told us to cut it down. We basically take all the news stories, the big ones, the small ones, a big mash of other ones, and send them out to you in various pieces, and you tell us which ones are actually the most conversational. Now, a week where the news was bonkers here in the United States, uh, there was a lot of things that really did overtake the main news cycle, and on purpose because they really were that important. That's not to say there weren't more conversational stories, more stories people talked about outside of the big things, and more interesting and sometimes funny, silly stories to chat about. And we'll get to those in just a bit. The first segment of this show is the first top 10 stories of the week. The stories that you said were the most important. We kept them down backwards from 10 to 1 to try to be a bit more dramatic. The second part of the show, the second segment, goes to the bottom five stories. This week, the bottom story, which we call the almost relevant story of the week, is number 210. So 210 distinct different stories posted throughout the week. We'll tell you more about that story and just a slight about the stories that go before that. That are stories uh, that are listed at number 206, 207, 208, and 209. 210 gets the highlight of the segment because we just have to fill the time, to be honest. And segment three gives you a chance to uh, go through whatever you have your gripes and complaints about. So if you email us at the conversation inbox, at gmail.com if that's basically where if there's any comments coming through we'll talk about it otherwise we'll go over any errors any problems any issues and talk about some of the numbers behind what's going on that you put into this week to make it more interesting so we'll get to that in just a quick bit but first how do we get these numbers how do you participate how do you make me know what's the most conversational you just simply do what you do already and that's hang out on your social media we have sites on social media on twitter on instagram and on Facebook. Instagram, you can kind of see what's happening. Twitter and Facebook, you can actually be involved. Follow us at TH underscore conversation on Twitter. And this is the conversation on Facebook. That's our same handle on Instagram as well. And every 50 minutes or so, we'll post a new link to a new story from various different sources. Some of them you are in love with. Some of them you might not like so much. Some of them we're a bit... uh, think are dodgy as well but we try to get the most distinct and most uh, weirdest widest swath of stories of news that we can go to and you just interact with the stories like them love them hate them share them the more interaction you give to a story the more engagement a story a link gets and we hope you're actually reading it as well the higher the score goes up we add the facebook and total and come up with a raw general score and that's how we get our top 10 for the week. So number 11 was the story about Microsoft Teams. That was the story you thought was good enough to be almost there. Let's go into the stories that are right there. And the number 10 story this week is a heartbreaker. And I can see how this one was such a big, important story. And it lasted most of the week, so it was that big. Your headline for number 10 is 
Vanessa Bryant requested items left by Kobe Bryant fans at Stable Center Memorial. LA Times is our source for this story right here. This was posted on Saturday, the 1st of February. It gets a bump in response. That means more people were responsive to this story than the last story by 3.33%. The link's for every single one of our news stories at our website. This is theconversation.com. Click on the link for this week's podcast, week ending February the 8th. 2020. I'm going to read you a few lines from all the stories in the top 10. We're going to read just a bit from the LA Times uh, account of this story for Vanessa Bryant wanting the stuff left by Kobe Franz. At the request of Kobe Bryant's wife, Vanessa, she will be given some items left by the thousands of fans that came to honor her husband and daughter, Gianna, and seven others who died in the helicopter crash on Sunday. Lee Zeltman, the president of Staples Center, L.A., Live, and Microsoft Theater said they also will take the perishable things and compost and spread them across the complex. Zedman, who knew Kobe Bryant for 24 years, said the plan is to start to dismantle everything around the arena Sunday after the Super Bowl. It will have been a week. We have contractually obligated events that we're moving in, he said. Vanessa had reached out to us and said, our family would like the items out there. So we're going to catalog every one of them. By that, I mean T-shirts, letters, basketballs, stuffed animals, toys. We're going to put those in specialty-made containers, and we're going to ship them to the family. Zubman said they got the idea from England's Manchester Arena, which suffered a terrorist attack in 2017 after an Ariana Grande concert and took, quote, all the flowers and everything they took them all, and they composted everything, and they spread them around the city. So we're going to compost all the flowers out there and spread them around the plants in and around L.A. Live and in and around Staples Center, Selvin said. So that means that all those fans that took the time to buy flowers and plants and brought them there, some of that will still be around the site. This is a very detailed article, so you can read more about what went to that one. And it's a very touching moment uh, in history will and for LA where they're going to take everything that was left for the memorial memorials for Kobe Gianna and the seven other people on the helicopter that crashed two weeks ago and they're going to make sure that it's all honored all the stuff will go someplace all the plants and flowers and the organic stuff will be as they said composted and spread around the area so a little bit of what people have given will help grow things out at LA Live Center and Staples Center so that's a great thing that I think you're doing out there. Hopefully there'll be more such uh, acts of kindness in the wakes of these things, although we hope there are less of these things to have to offer these up for. Let's move ahead to the story at number nine. The headline for this one reads, A leaked Customs and Borders Protection Memo shows border officers were directed to stop travelers of Iranian descent, including American citizens, despite the agency denying it earlier this month. This comes on Friday, the very last day of January, the 31st. It gets a bumper response from the number 10 story of 1.61%. This is a big one that lasted a while because it's a big one. CNN Politics is the source for this one. Let's read you a couple paragraphs from that story online. An internal Customs and Border Protection memo obtained by CNN suggests that U.S. border officers working at Canadian ports of entry were directed to detain and question travelers of Iranian descent including American citizens, in the wake of the killing of a top Iranian general in early January, despite previous denials from the agency. The single-page undated document 
issued by the Tactical Analytical Unit of CBP's Seattle Field Office, is titled, Iranian Supreme Leader Vows Forceful Revenge After U.S. Kills Major General Qasim Suleiman in Baghdad. Threat alert high. The memo states that, among others, anyone born in Iran, Lebanon, or the Palestinian territories between 1961 and 2001 should be vetted along with anyone who has connected connections to those countries and territories. The focus is clearly placed on Iran and some of its potential sympathies from the region. This is a long story that you need to actually get into read if you want to. It involves plenty of cases of the civil liberties just being abused flat out and just some paranoia based on what the situation is. Now, yes, when we have issues like this, threat levels do go up and people do get on high alert. But essentially, the fact that we are literally screening out American citizens uh, because they may be from Iranian descent because paranoia is a problem. It's a problem that's not going away anytime soon. But yes, it is a problem that at least needs to be addressed, at least needs to be said out loud. Yellow, pink, whatever color elephant you want to. We need to at least admit that we do these things and we do these things post panic without very good results. Number eight story this week, Jay Scott of ASAP Mob has died. Complex.com is our source for this one. Monday, the third day of February, today we posted this one. Bump in response of 2.12% from the number nine story. And spoiler alert, this is a tie. A tie, we'll explain what happens in that in a moment with the story coming up at number seven. Same exact raw score. So let's get to the story first. As we say, if Complex.com is our source for this one, let's read a couple lines from this one. On Sunday, tweets started to surface from fellow ASAP mob members and friends of Jay Scott, referencing Scott's passing. Currently, information surrounding Jay Scott's passing is scarce. Jay Scott, who also went by ASAP Snacks, was a jack-of-all-trades for ASAP mob. He was the official DJ for ASAP Rocky and the Cozy Boys, as well as a manager for multiple artists. Scott was also a creative partner in a lot of the collective's ventures and the producer. Jay Scott is originally from Atlanta. During a conversation with Ultra Olive, Jay Scott explained that he got connected with ASAP Mob after moving to New York City, then meeting ASAP Yams, who asked him to DJ for Rocky. This post says it'd be updated, and this post exactly was not updated. Of course, much of the news across the Internet popped up on Jay Scott. And if you go to our actual article that we listed from Complex, uh, going via This Is The Conversation, you will see what the bulk of the of the context of that article is tweets and Instagram messages and things shutting out to Jay Scott. With so many talented people out there in the world and the internet being a way to connect so much information, so many ha- people have a chance to access whatever talents they want to, it's always sad to lose a talented person, whether they're on the major tiers of your radar or not so much. And Jay Scott, extremely talented person working with a lot of people in music in general, rap just happened to be in particular, and a lot of people are mourning his loss. We also mourn the loss of another great creator jay scott and hope all those involved are doing what they can to get over this recent loss the story coming in at number seven is well let's just say the headline is quite a mouthful here we go a county in china is offering people 140 dollars to tell on neighbors who have visited wuhan and another is threatening the death penalty to anyone deliberately spreading the coronavirus yahoo news 
our source for this article. Wednesday, the fifth of February, the date it was posted. As we said, it is a virtual. T- it is a virtual. It is a tie for responsiveness from the number eight story this week. So, what's the dealio with this one? So, I'm going to read you essentially the bullet points version of this one, and not go into the full details, and sort of just kind of give a general idea of what's happening. Chinese authorities are reportedly taking increasingly extreme measures to contain the rapidly spreading Wuhan coronavirus. Uh, that includes offering 1,000 won, which is about $140, of a bounty for each Wuhan person reported by residents. Uh, this this um, The Heligongjiang province is threatening the death penalty to anyone caught delivery spreading the virus. Uh, the, uh, that's coming from various reports. That's from the South China Morning Post. New York Times reporting about the bounty going on. And in the eastern province of Jiangzhou, police are reportedly using metal poles to barricade the door of a family that had just come back from Wuhan just to keep them out of the population. It is getting weird. It is getting crazy. It is getting serious over there in China as they're dealing with the Wuhan virus, Wuhan coronavirus. And the really, really scary thing about it is we're not sure they're actually even telling us the truth about what they know. We know that, well, we know that this is not the only coronavirus story we have this week. So bear with us. We'll get to another one in just a few ticks. So, what we don't know about this is just how big the response is going to have to be. This is becoming a worldwide pandemic alert, and we'll see exactly how big it is. However, here in the States, we are being reminded that more people have already died of the flu this year than have died across the world of this one virus. So it's the same store, same thought process that applies. Be careful of contact. Wash your hands. Sneeze into your elbow. Do everything you would do to stay safe of the flu to keep yourself safe from the coronavirus. And we'll see if the coronavirus is actually an issue you should have to worry about. In most cases, we're believing it's not, but we're finding this is becoming a much, much, much bigger deal than even people have originally led us on to think of. Let's move on to the story sitting at number six this week. This headline is... Super Bowl streaker Kelly Clay, Kelly Kay should say, arrested for trespass after flashing ass at the game. Apologies for maybe being explicit, but that's what the headline read. Tuesday, the 4th of February, date this was posted, and a bump in response from the number 7 story of 2.59%. Because this is TMZ Sports, they like saying ass a lot. That's basically where we get the headline. That's where we'll get the readout for this one. This is what we have for Miss Kelly Green and what she did Super Bowl day. A smoking hot model with a massive following was arrested during the Super Bowl on Sunday after she hopped over the railing, tried to go running on the field, and then flashed her ass. You can see in the video of the alleged incident, Kelly Green, a.k.a. Kelly Kay, was tackled by security before she could really make a scene during the Chiefs 49ers game. But she still managed to show the crowd her butt while cops were taking her away, and you can see from the footage fans were loving it. And if you go to the link inside the, the website, this is the conversation.com. This is for February the 8th, 2020. You can see the link to the video and you can see her and her butt, which you can see all over Instagram anyway. Cops clearly didn't think the scene was so funny, though. They straight up arrested her and charged her with misdemeanor trespass. She was booted and forced to take a mugshots at the station. Green, a 27 year old with 25,000 followers on Instagram, was released Monday and posted a poolside video bragging about getting out. Young jail bait out of jail, she said. Fresh out the pen, fresh out Dade County. What? Um, 
Green faces up to one year in jail if convicted of the trespass charge. Let's get real. She'll likely cut a deal and won't spend a minute behind bars. There you have it. That is your generation youth of the day. Live it up, I guess. Oddly enough, one of two Super Bowl stories that has nothing to do with the games this week. And the next one right here at number five. Our headline, Harry Styles concert in Miami, a washout as storms hit area. Saturday, the 1st of February, day before the Super Bowl, of course. A bump in response from the number six story of 22.73%. We go to the Fox News website for this story. And here's a few lines from the story. Singer Harry Styles' scheduled performance in Miami was suddenly canceled Friday night, just minutes before showtime, as heavy rain hit the area, site of Sunday Super Bowl 45, or LIV if you're down with that. The Styles show was to be held at Meridian in Islands Garden, a concert venue on Watson Island along the MacArthur Causeway between Miami and Miami Beach. The fire department would not let us do the show under any circumstances. Please stay safe, Styles tweeted around 1 a.m. Saturday. Pepsi, the sponsor behind the concert, said it planned, quote, to do what it can to make this right. More from Pepsi. For all attendees of tonight's Planet Pepsi Zero Sugar Party, we understand this is disappointing, the company said in a statement, and want to do what we can to make this right. We're offering a full refund for tonight's show and for your ride share from the venue. Please, details coming soon. You can see... Um, Lots of the videos from people who were there showing that they roped off the place, showing what was going on, showing the intense extreme weather that was happening for before the game. Now, everyone was more or less wor- not worried about the actual Sunday. They assumed the weather would be fine by Sunday, and it was. No rain, no significant issues whatsoever. But going up to the weekend and the party scene that is Super Bowl week, uh, going up to it wasn't quite up to par for what is normally the party scene that is Miami, basically because it was a bad weather day. You can't really predict the weather a year out when they pick these Super Bowl venues, but it was what it was. It could be worse. could have been the times they picked to have it when they had it in Dallas and everything was iced over, and they had it in New York and everything was iced over. It's But they, that was Dallas was a fluke. New York should have thought better. This was Miami. It rains. People had a good time. It was a great game. Congratulations to the Chiefs for their win in the Super Bowl. It is not a theme, but our second in stories dealing with the coronavirus is another very big one that started to become quite a bit of a bugger for many folks. Headline reads, Japan to quarantine cruise ship on which coronavirus patient sailed. Reuters is our source of this one. We got it on Monday, the 3rd of February, a bump in response from the number five story of 4.53%. We'll read you a little bit of this and give you some kind of updates that we've seen since this was posted on Monday, and a lot of things have changed since then. Japanese government said on Monday it would quarantine a Yokohama-bound cruise ship after a Hong Kong man who sailed on it last month tested positive for coronavirus. The 80-year-old man flew to Japan and boarded the ship the Diamond Princess, run by Carnival Japan, Inc., in Yokohama on January the 20th and disembarked on January 25th, NHK Public Broadcaster said. He developed a cough a day before embarking but did not develop a fever until January 30th, the day before he was confirmed to have been infected by the virus in Hong Kong, NKH reported. Princess Cruises, a Carnival Cruise ship online, said the review of the arriving guests and crew was standard practice after guests tested positive. Japanese Chief Cabinet Secretary Yoshide Suga said in the news conference on Monday that Japanese authorities would quarantine the vessel. 
The company confirmed that the turnaround for the ship had been delayed by about 24 hours to allow Japan's public health authorities to review the health status of all guests and crew on board. The cruise ship has 2,666 guests and 1,045 crew on board. Now, let's go, you can go read a little deeper into the story. There's little bits there, there about the coronavirus in Japan. But let's talk about this ship for a moment. After about a few days, it was found out that about 20 people uh, had contracted the virus. Actually, it started out with 1 to 2, 10, then up to 20. Over the past week, over the past five days or so, that number has tripled from 20, which popped up after a few days, to 61 of all the 2,000 or so people on the ship. They are stuck in their cabins. They get about an hour to walk around a day. It's it's like it's literally like being in a prison, and the people who have contracted the virus, although no one has any serious symptoms yet, but they've tested positive, are in a state of limbo, not knowing what's going on. Yes, people are still trapped on a ship a week later, because they don't know what to do. Japan is doing what it can to be to clear itself of this and not have this become a crisis. We're told this is the largest concentration of people who have been infected with the coronavirus other than in mainland China. No one has died, as far as I can tell, from any reporting from this quarantine. But it's not a good thing. It's not a good look. And what's really, really, really interesting on this is many of the people who have contracted the virus or tested positive are Americans and just regular cruisers who are now stuck on a cruise ship, which should be their happy place in a harbor in Japan with no answers to any questions coming down soon. Coming in at number three this week, publicist Joyce Sevilla found dead in West Hollywood. This comes from the Hollywood Reporter. We posted on Friday, the 31st of January. This gets a bumper response from number four story of 7.87%. Here's a few lines from the Hollywood Reporter and their, their write-up on this death. Entertainment and nightlife publicist Joyce Sevilla was found dead Wednesday night in her West Hollywood apartment. The Los Angeles County Coroner Office confirmed she was 47. Public information officer at the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department told the Hollywood Reporter that no suspicious activity or foul play suspected, and a spokeswoman for the coroner said results from an autopsy are pending. Sevilla's death sent shockwaves through the Hollywood through Hollywood on Thursday, as the news found its way to friends and former colleagues, with many taking social to social media to share their love for the publicist, known by her nickname Golden Lady. She had recently returned from a trip to Grand Cayman in the Caribbean. Her birthday was December 27th, where she swam with dolphins and stingrays and celebrated her love for travel. You can read more about the outpouring of love and caring from her clients, her friends, and people out there in the community by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, which is for the week ending February the 8th, 2020. You can read, the links, uh, you can read uh, stories with links to every single story we have on the podcast today, including the ones we'll gloss over and the number 11 story, the cutoff story as well. So check out to go deeper into the stories there. Don't forget, you can also email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com to, to talk about, to argue, to complain, to give us joy and love. Give us any sort of message you want via email at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. We go to Vox.com for the story at number two this week. The headline, this is a big one. Spotify is buying Bill Simmons the ringer. Wednesday, the 5th of February, the day we posted this one with a bump in response from the number three story of 6.2%. What's the deal on this one? Well, let me tell you. Spotify is making yet another big budget purchase aimed at getting a lead in the growing podcast industry. 
The streaming music company has agreed to a deal to purchase Bill, The Ringer, the podcast-centric media company run by Bill Simmons. Spotify intends to hire Simmons and all its approximately 90 employees. Most of those employees work on The Ringer's website, which covers sports and culture, and Spotify intends on keeping the site up and running. But what Spotify really wants out of the deal is Simmons' ability to create podcasts, including his Bill Simmons podcast and some other 30 titles, which range from NBA chat shows to ones devoted to rewatching old movies. The company didn't disclose the sale price. The deal is supposed to close in the first quarter of 2020. You can read all of the corporate speak below by going to the link inside of the Recode Vox podcast website, Linkable Bobber, and you can find that via our website. But here's the real deal about this. Podcasting, which I've been doing for over a decade in an independent model, is becoming big business, even if the money isn't coming to the people who were the pioneers. The money is going to the carpetbaggers and vultures, if you will. I say that lovingly, um, who are big business who are trying to get a piece of this pie. And the Simmons empire, which has grown from the sports guy being the guy that people my age essentially turn to for their sort of sports stuff. Although I'm not necessarily not necessarily I'm not a big fan of Bill Simmons, to be honest. But my opinion, notwithstanding, Bill Simmons and The Ringer is a big deal, are a big deal, will be a big deal. A lot of people are turning to more independent voices to get their information in general, why people are listening to this podcast and some of the big news sources. And Bill Simmons has taken his quirky view on sports and life and pop culture and everything in between and turned that into big business for from himself after he cut his teeth working with the real big industries. Now... Spotify coming as a also outsider more or less is doing its best to join with Bill Simmons and gain more inroads into the corporate side of the podcasting game. They've basically done what they needed to do. We'll see how this can continues on. They've bought a bunch of other properties and are maintaining them as they are. Essentially, they're trying to get more ears listening to their podcasts. We'll see how the numbers run out and if we get actual numbers to what the valuation of the ringer was at its end of independence as we know what its valuation is for Spotify going forward. So now we're at the number one story this week, and for a span of weeks, the number one story has been more or less a tragic story, something that's really, really heart-tugging. So there won't be very much commentary at the end of the story here. We're just going to kind of go to the next thing. But let's get you the stats, as always, with a little less rapid fanfare. But it, it is worthy of noting where it came out this week. This was the top Facebook and Twitter story in our top 10 this week. So it was really that important. It gets a bumper response from the number two story of 6.53%. A bumper response from the number 10 story this week, which is Vanessa Bryant wanting all the stuff from the tributes to Kobe Bryant left at the Staples Center, getting all those returned to her or as many as she can by 66.67%. Yes, we have a lot of 666s this week. I have no idea why. And a bumper response from the number 210 story, which we're calling the almost irrelevant story of the week, because that's what it is, of 4,328%. The story's headline and some of the story, which comes sourced from uh, the ABC News website, two dead, one hurt in shooting at Texas A&M University Commerce Residence. The updated headline coming from the website is Sisters Dead in Targeted Isolated Shooting at Texas A&M Commerce Dorm. 
Two women who died in the shooting at Texas A&M University Commerce dorm on Monday were sisters, authorities said. School officials said Tuesday that the shooting appears to be a targeted, isolated event, though the officials did not provide many details. The suspect, identified Tuesday night as 21-year-old Jacques Deshaun Smith, has been arrested and charged with capital murder in connection with the shooting, according to university officials. The shooting was reported at 10.17 a.m. local time at the Pride Rock Residence Hall, which houses freshmen, according to the school's website. Texas A&M University Commerce said Smith is believed to be an ex-boyfriend of one of the victims. An arrest warrant was issued for him through the use of surveillance and witness tips, the University Police Department said Tuesday. One victim, 19-year-old Jeja Matz, was an A&M Commerce freshman from Garland, Texas, and was pursuing a degree in public health, officials with the University Police Department said Tuesday. The second victim was her sister, 20-year-old Abney Matz. The elder Matz was not enrolled at A&M Commerce, officials said. Abney Matz's two-year-old son was injured in the incident, University Police officials said. He has since been treated and released to the care of family members, they said. University officials said the investigation remains active. Texas A&M campus in Commerce, Texas is more than 200 miles north of Texas A&M's main campus in College Station. As we said, we're going to read this and walk away from this as it is. No commentary, no no nothing. We give our own thoughts and prayers to the families involved in this incident. And as we said earlier, hope to have less of these incidents to have to report in general and on this program. But coming up in just a moment, we'll go to the stories that were less impactful than stories like this one. In fact, a story that is the least impactful at all this week, we call it the almost irrelevant story this week. We'll explain what that means and tell you what it is at number 210 this week here on the Weekly Wrap-Up with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending February the 8th, 2020. A lot of work goes into this podcast, and it is powered by what you do to help us work it out. Number one, you offer up the storylines. You tell us which stories are used for the script, so there's that. But you also power it by literally directly paying for things to happen for the podcast, and that can be done in many ways. You can do it by being a direct sponsor in Patreon, a Patreon patron, if you will, by going to thisisaconversation.com slash Patreon for details on that. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Payne and just buy me a one-off coffee or buy me multiple coffees there as well. Or you can just visit one of our sponsors. We have sponsorship links on all of our products, and we talk about them profusely. And when you visit one of them, we get a bit of affiliate link back, so we thank you so much for that. One we are really keen on, and one I really love, is Blinkist. Blinkist is our spotlight again this week, and it helps me, and it's been helping me for quite some time, get caught up on all the great nonfiction books that I don't have time to read. Now, for years, I've been hearing about all the people, all the gurus talking about Reading is what people who real, true leaders and thinkers do, what they do. They read a lot. They get into lots of books, and they talk about reading two, three books a week and what they get from them and all that other stuff. But if you have a life, if you have a job, and if you're not you know, living the billionaire laptop lifestyle, you don't have the time 
maybe even the patients look at all the books. And so what I've been using for quite some time is an app called Blinkist. It offers up summaries of books, nonfiction books that everyone loves, and newer nonfiction books, not just old stuff that's been out there for a while, in blinks or in condensed version formats that take 20 minutes or less to devour. In fact, this week I went on a sort of trip down memory lane and went through a lot of Seth Godin this week. Three books that I went into this week include The Icarus Deception, which came out in 2012. That was 15 minutes to read. The Dip, which came out in 2007, 15 minutes to read as well. And Tribes, which came out in 2008. That took 13 minutes to read. Now, by reading, that is how they break down the blinks into the biggest ideas in the book. Or you can have it read to you in an audio fashion. I had it done in audio while I was working on some reports. So I was able to read three books in a span of less than an hour while working on reports this week. And while the books themselves, you know, Seth Godin is a genius on his own. The books themselves have some sort of dated references that you have to kind of get into. You still got a chance of going back to old school books and some some even older books that are in their library for Blinkist. They also have a lot of the newest books that are coming out. So if there's a newer author with a newer book coming out, uh, keep a lookout for what's what's coming down the line because you'll be surprised every so often that book that you're go- going to pick up at the bookstore pops up on Blinkist and you can pick it up literally in your hands on your phone and read it in less than 20 minutes as opposed to the couple of days it'll take you if you have the time. Go to thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist. This is the conversation.com slash Blinkist. That's spelled B-L-I-N-K-S-T. And you can get in on this app for free. Check it out. See how much you will love it because I'm pretty sure you will. And get yourself caught up on all those great books that you don't have all the time for, but you know you need to read. It is an app called Blinkist. It is our spotlight sponsor for this week. Check them out. I am sure you will be very, very pleased. We tell you about the stories at the very top, the stories you really wanted to hear about. We also talk about the stories that you probably didn't care so much for, for whatever reason. Some of these stories are just interesting, quirky stories that, you know, we thought might be something people would check into. And yes, there's 210 different stories. So there's a big difference between, well, there's a difference of 209 between 1 and 210. But there's a long swath between what we talk about and what we don't. So because of various things, and often these are stories that are posted late in the countdown, late in the timeline. So if it's posted late on Thursday or early Friday, there's not a lot of time for it to gain some traction. And that's the case for pretty much most of the stories this week. Uh, one story posted a little earlier that I thought should have gotten a little more run, but that's, that's just me. The story, I believe, is the my most favorite story of the week at 206. It didn't get much from you guys. New gas station employee allegedly steals $17,000 on very first day of work. That was Thursday, the 6th of February. I liked it. You guys didn't so much. If you think you now might want to get into it, check out the website and read more about it. Headline for story number 207. Woman finishes hours of cleaning after renovations and then husband falls through ceiling. The Mirror is the website for that one. And normally that would be my most favorite story of the week. But unfortunately, this is the week that some guy got caught stealing uh, $17,000 in the first day of work. Friday the 7th, yes, right before we started recording this, when we posted this one, so not a lot of traction there. Pennsylvania judge accused of calling black juror Aunt Jemima. 
Huffington Post gives us that one as number 208. This one also posted this morning, Friday, or the morning of the cutoff Friday, the 7th. So uh, that one a bit more... Uh, bit more weighty than the other two if you want more details on that check it out at the website at 209 cook county jail inmate charged with murder and beating death of cellmate that one even heavier than the other one chicago tribune has that one also posted early this morning on friday the 7th so not much traction there but the one we will tell you about and another one that is crime related and another one that is just so goofy that it's hard to understand unless you have been dealing with things like this goes like this the story at number 210 which has a responsiveness of minus 4320 percent from the number one story that's how many people least got into this one also posted late thursday undercover cops hired 118 handymen that arrested them all for not having licenses and the source for this is a bloggish type site called reason.com But this was just so quirky and weird, and it is at the very bottom that this is the one that we're going to talk about. Here you go. Residents of Hillsburg County, Florida, can sleep safely tonight following the arrest of 118 people for performing unlicensed contracting work as part of Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office sting known as Operation House Hunters. The sting, according to Patch, says sheriff's deputies pose as homeowners seeking handymen on social media to do jobs that require licenses. The unsuspecting handyman would be lured to one of five homes where undercover deputies filmed them performing or agreeing to perform prohibited tasks like painting or installing recessed lighting. The stings were carried out between March and December of last year. The rest were announced yesterday. Quote, These 118 con men and women were posing as contractors and preying on innocent homeowners in Hillsborough County who were just looking to repair or improve their homes, said Hillsborough County Sheriff's Chad Cronister at a Tuesday press conference. The mugshots of these, those picked up in the sweeps were displayed behind him on big posters. You can see the picture of the posters if you go to the link in the website. Uh, a little bit more from the story. The sheriff's office also released a compliance video of some of the handymen caught up in the sting operation, including several who had passed criminal conventions or who had been caught previously performing unlicensed contract work. Only eight of the people arrested in part of the Operation House Hunters were repeat offenders, According to the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, the other 110 were arrested for first-time offenses. The bulk of those charges were for, quote, unlawful acts in the capacity of a contractor, a misdemeanor offense that can come with a $1,000 fine and up to 12-month jail sentence. Repeat violations can result in felony charges. So you can... You can go to the link and you can read the story. There's there's more to it. And a lot of it at some point just turns into the fact that it seems like it's an actual joke, that this is the crime that they're out there fighting. But in the defense of the county, it's not a very big county. There's not a lot going on. There's no major metropolitan things happening. So something like people doing things like unlicensed contracting is something that's a big deal. 118 of them is a little off and making a big deal of the 118 they caught Seems a bit excessive, but for Hillsborough County, that's how they do it down there. So be careful down there if you want to paint a house or do some electrician work or, or you know, even you know, screw on a, you know, if I'm, I'm sure tackle is not very big in that county. I'm sure this is not one of the biggest places that Angie's List gets most of their money from, and people looking for outside help for their homes. I'm not sure what to think about this, other than they had less better. 
things more better things they this will i i don't understand it but that's the story that you guys non-voted if you will there were some responses to it not very many for the almost irrelevant story for this week this is a story that truly was almost irrelevant coming in just a bit we will go through the cleanup for things that we may have messed up in the reporting i can't really do anything but apologize for bad reading but we'll talk about the tie the themes it seemed like and some of the numbers behind the responses for this week here on the weekly wrap-up with jay cleveland Payne. this is for the week ending february the 8th 2020 Thanks to the magic of audio and podcasting and theater of the mind, and because I have a voice that is my voice, many people don't know without looking deeper into what my background, that I am a 40-ish year old black guy. And because I am a 40-ish old black guy, I have the issues and mentality that other 40-year-old black guys have. And while my demographics don't put me in a monolithical idea class, we already talked about me not being a big fan of Bill Simmons' work, although we are 40-ish year old guys who like sports. And the same can be said for this podcast we're talking about here. It's a podcast that I stumbled upon, and it took a couple weeks for me to actually get it into the spotlight for podcasts in the week. And it's one where I listened to it, and I got a sense of belonging, but I also got a sense of I can really disagree with some of these guys and that was okay it's called the cut and it's called the cut because they stylized the podcast as a black barbershop style discussion uh, they talk about pop culture current events news stories things that go around in life and they do it in a funny way they do it that way on purpose and i say that way on purpose because if you're not a black guy who's gone to a black barbershop you may not understand what goes on I mean, barbershop talk is more or less universal. It's a bunch of guys just kind of talking it up. But when you go to just the cultural level of the black barbershop, everything that you see on the stereotypical movie style stuff, well, maybe not everything, but a lot of the banter goes just like that. And a lot of it is people who are outposing themselves in conversations. But in, in the real sense, it's people with real issues in a place that they have, they see as a sanctuary, a haven. If you watch the Luke Cage series on Netflix, you know that Pop's Barbershop, where a lot of the action happens, is known as the Switzerland. That's known as the place where everybody is safe. Anybody can come in and say what they want to say. That's how you get conversations in barbershops, and that's how they get so outrageous, because basically people say what they can say, what they say, and that's the stylings of this podcast right here. Check it out. It is a very interesting listen to if you've never been exposed to something like this. And if you have been, it sounds like pretty much every black barbershop conversation you may have had. Some of the discussions go a little deep and some of them are a bit higher thought that you think of. Uh, the One recent one came out. They talked a lot about um, vaccinations and anti-vaxxers, which you don't think is something that would come up in conversation. But you'd be surprised what comes up in conversation at a black barbershop. Or maybe not, if you listen to a podcast like The Cut. Check them out. Their website is thecutpodcast.podbean.com. That's where they host their podcast. But they have links on things all over the place. They're anywhere your pods are cast. So once you find them there, look on your podcatcher, see if you can find it there, and subscribe. This is a good podcast. Like I said, everything that goes on is not exactly my thought process, but that's how conversations should work. You can't agree with everything a person says or your 
that person, and that'd be weird. But I say check out The Cut. It's a podcast. They call themselves a black barbershop-style discussion podcast. And get some knowledge on. They are our Spotlight Podcast for this week. No real errors, no real problems to discuss, no real crossover from last week to this week. We did have, uh, I guess, the quirky notion that nothing that came out of Thursday or Friday, nothing big happened enough Thursday or Friday to push itself into the top ten. Uh, the, the, we had like one Wednesday story that was really of any relevance. Uh, most of the stories were literally from Sunday all the way to about Tuesday. So most of the stories were big enough to contain – or contend for the week of everything going on. As far as percentages go, uh, we're back to our normals for our Facebook and Twitter. So our, our Twitter responses, 91.8%. Our Facebook responses, 8.13%. So we're having a lot of Twitter love, mostly because the speed of a Twitter following, nothing massive as big a story as like the Kobe story that was two weeks ago that turned into a big Facebook story uh, on that end. So right now the Twitterati is beating the Facebook Facebookerati. Roddy Roddy, uh, by quite a bit. As far as the engagement of the stories this week, the top 10 stories held 18.8% of all the engagement of the 210 stories this week. So about 20% of the eyeballs and of the clicks and of the responses came from the top 10 stories. The bottom, 0.35%. Not very much at all, as you can tell from some of those stories, mostly because they were posted late in the game. And that's how things work when they're posted late in the game. Not a lot of time to get responses. And as we are late in the game, that means let's go ahead and wrap up the game. The show is now officially closed. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation and doing what you can to keep the conversation project alive. The main thing you're doing is just being in the conversation. That is following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook, look for This is the Conversation on Facebook, please set us as the fault in your feed. So we're popping up normally in your feed. And on Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. Every 50 minutes or so, we post a story, a link to a news article from somewhere out there. And most of them are legit. Some of them are kind of silly and some of them may be a little sketchy. But most of them are serious stories that aren't getting all the coverage because of whatever breaking news is still breaking. You just have to engage with it as you feel comfortable. Like it, love it, hate it, share it. The more engagement a story gets, the higher the score it goes. And if it's a high score, maybe top 10. If it's a low score, maybe bottom five. Do that all week long, and we'll tell you about what happens as we cut it off from Friday to Friday every single week. You also power this by getting us little bits of change so that we can add that little bits of change into bigger bits of dollars and pay some bills. Directly, you fund me by going to Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash this is conversation and sign up for sponsorship there. Five dollar tier would be awesome if you will. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash J Cleveland Payne and buy me a coffee. We're working on quicker links so you can go to all the patronage, that's a word I think, ways to give us and help fund things so it's easy for you if you feel that what we are asking for a little bit of money to what we are giving out, hopefully great content. Make it easy for you to do that as well. You can also just visit one of our sponsors on any other platforms you see us on, either in our newsletter, either at our website, or if you're here, go to the link thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist, 
and visit this week's main sponsor, this week's spotlight sponsor for the podcast, which is Blinkist.com. Get on an app that's free and gives you a way to be even smarter. Catch up on all the great nonfiction books that you don't think you have time for. They allow you to do it and do it very quickly at Blinkist as our spotlight sponsor for this week. Expand your podcast world by checking out The Cut. Thecutpodcast.podbean.com is where they're located. There are Spotlight Podcasts this week. And learn about what goes on as discussions ensue, along with much hilarity, in a podcast that's styled over discussions you would hear at your typical, maybe even stereotypical, black barbershop. Visit the website, thisistheconversation.com, to see the links to every single story we talked about today. Click the link for this week's podcast, podcast ending February the 8th, 2020. Also, while you're there, as we said, visit some sponsors, check out some other features, sign up for our newsletter so that Monday through Thursday, you get a heads up of what the top eight stories that people are talking about are. And so you're straight for conversation there and your reminder of the podcast straight into your inbox as well. And plenty of other great features on the website as well. And of course, all this work to put out the podcast means there's a podcast to listen to. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you just stumbled upon us, we are pretty much anywhere your pods are cast. So look for us on your Apple podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spreaker. We're on Google Play and Google Podcasts. I know that gets interesting as well. Uh, we're on Luminary. We're on iHeartRadio. We're anywhere you're looking for your podcast. If we're not there, let us know where we're not. Email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com, and we'll figure out how to get where we're not. And since you're subscribed, make sure you share this conversational podcast with other people who are into these types of news conversations. So share it with some friends. Share it with a few enemies. Find random strangers and share the podcast. Take their phones out of their hands and subscribe to the podcast and hand it back to them. And then as you're walking down the line or driving off, however you're getting around town, they will yell great platitudes your way as you're going away. Trust me on this. They're always yelling great platitudes your way as you're going away. So share this with as many folks as possible. At the end of all this rambling, I say thank you, thank you, thank you, because this does not work without you, without you to help us pick the stories, without you to listen to the podcast, without you to send me the feedback. So once again, feedback goes to the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Anything you want to complain about or say nice things about or complain about, send it there and we will discuss it uh, in detail back and forth via the email machines. That's it. We're done. Next week, we'll go through the stories one more time. The top 10 stories that you tell me to talk about, not me. You say what stories are the tops on the weekly wrap up. Thank you so much. We'll see you coming up next week.